welcome everyone to this episode of the Palmetto Guardian. I'm Sergeant Chelsea Weaver. And I'm Specialist Anna Grace Cato. And today we have some very special guests. I'm going to let them introduce themselves and then we're just going to start talking about today's topic. I am Heather McPherson. I'm with the South Carolina Military Museum. I'm the curator of collections over there. Hello. My name is Sergeant First Class Megan Church, and I am the command historian for the South Carolina National Guard. Awesome. So, if anybody guesses, we're talking about history in some sense today. (laughs) So, I kind of want to talk first about the museum, because we haven't had you guys come in here um, for a while now. So, could you kind of just talk about the museum and maybe some displays or some things you um, guys have going on, what you do over there as like a full-time staff member, and then after that, we'll kind of go into what we're really here to talk about. (laughs) Yeah, we actually have a lot going on since the last time we were on the podcast. We have new staff members, one being a curator of education now. So we're doing a lot with K-12 through groups and homeschools. Um, we have a curator of exhibits. So we're actually starting from the beginning, Revolutionary War, and kind of going through the entire galleries now and redoing all of that. Uh, some new stories since last time you guys um, spoke with us. And we now have a better setup for if you want to do some research in our library. Um, and we have rotating exhibits every six months in the back gallery, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So um, a lot of new things going on. Awesome. Um, so with that, you were talking about like the, the um, working with the schools and homeschool and stuff like that. How does that work? Because I remember that you guys used to have like field trips and stuff come over. So like how, how do schools reach out and like what kind of experiences can they get from coming to the museum for that? Yeah, uh, our care of education, Jen Gossett, she actually does a lot of just reaching out herself. So she'll go to a, def- a couple different events around Columbia, and um, there's many schools there. So she'll be handing out business cards, and she goes, you can come to us, or she'll actually come to the schools and do some programs. And she has a really good uh, network with the homeschools. Um, being from uh, Richland District herself, she just built up a really good network. So um, it kind of depends, but we do get some, some calls just coming in of, hey, can we have a field trip? Um, so you just give our front, front office a call and, uh, or just stop by with your kid. You don't have to be a part of a school to, <laughs> yeah. to, to, to really be a part of. Um, we have a STEM squad that you get a little newsletter and a T-shirt and stuff like that. So um, to enjoy the education part of it, you don't have to actually be you know, with the school. You can just bring your kids by and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Now with that, can you kind of talk about um, – where you guys are located, your hours of operation, stuff like that, for those who do just want to come and stop by just at their own leisure to kind of walk around and see what you guys have? Yeah, so we're over here at National Guard Road behind the the tag complex, and um, we're open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 4, except for home games on USC because it's turned (laughs) into a tailgating spot. But, um, yeah, we have a a lot of really cool artifacts. We have some vehicles, helicopters, uh, a lot of tracked vehicles outside, plus uniforms and, and all kinds of different things that, um, from Revolutionary War to Global War on Terror that you know, our soldiers and um, service members use every day. Mm. And don't be intimidated by the front gate. Yes. It's They're just a driver's people. license to get through. Yeah. So it's not like you have to be an ID card holder or dependent or anything like that. One National Guard road. Thank you. That's it. That's all you need to know. <laughs> and you really can't miss it. They yes. put the beautiful new sign out that when you pull through the gate, it is the only thing you see straight ahead. Yeah. It's really great. That's awesome. Now, Sergeant Church, since you're here with us today um, and you're the historian for South Carolina, how do you guys, like, do you guys collaborate on a lot of things or do you go to each other f- with 
when you're looking for certain information and stuff like that? Like, how does the dynamic work for um, y'all's positions with that? No, we don't talk at all. Ever. <laughs> I never <laughs> speak to this. Pu- I have no idea who she is. Just um, met her today. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's a unique relationship because Heather is a state employee and I'm a federal employee. So we don't necessarily do the same job. Um, but she and the museum are basically like the record keepers, like the physical record keepers. Um, So if I'm looking for anything, and really the entire history program for the South Carolina National Guard exists on my laptop and in my cube. (laughs) Um, And so there's not, we don't have an archive. I get people call sometimes looking for photos of when, you know, a family member may have been in. Um, It's just not something that I have. But the museum gets a lot of donations, and they have a huge archive, and they have a digital archive, they have photos, they have, um, do you even still have the Lectriever, like where we can roll through? We we have uh, the Lectriever contents. We had to finally get rid of the 1980s storage capacity. Right, because the last time I saw it, it had a two-by-four holding it. Yeah, 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 that has been sent to the dumpster. So so I can go in, and, you know, if you kind of give me an idea of what the unit was, um, we can either track it through lineage, or they have it organized by county, by city by like that kind of thing so I can go in and do research that way um but it's a constant back and forth you know if I I answer a lot of questions uh, and when I can't she's the first phone call I make like can you search through your magic database like these couple of keywords um to kind of see what she that is always my first starting point if it doesn't exist in my cube um is to reach out over there yeah and the the same thing with me if someone brings me a question I'm like I don't I don't even know where to start Meg usually knows kind of at least give me a county or this, it might have been this unit. And so, yeah, we definitely collaborate a lot. And we can translate between, like, if I don't understand museum words uh, <laughs> that people are asking me for, or if it's the opposite, if it's, you know, some kind of obscure military whatever, even if it's Army, National Guard, that kind of thing, I can kind of say, okay, well, I think it might be this thing, and then we both kind of guide down a certain path to get there. Teamwork. Awesome. Yes, teamwork makes, makes the, the dream, dream work. Amen. <laughs> Um, so let's kind of go into this event that's coming up. It's, it has a soft spot, obviously, for public affairs. So, And you were mentioning how the Bat Galley, every six months or so often, you guys are changing that exhibit. So this one is very special to us. So I kind of want to talk about that and um, push the information out to those who would be interested in coming to see it. Yeah, so what we have running back there now is called Developed Darkroom Photography of the South Carolina National Guard. And Um, It came about when we were actually going through our photographs, um, our archival collection, and I was like, these are really nice shots, and I noticed that one person had taken most of them, um, Sergeant Major Retired Philip Jones, and he's actually a friend in the museum, so I talked to him about it, and he had some equipment, like his cameras that he actually used in the field, and um, uh, an enlarger, and some of the typewriters, and things like that, so like, I think we can really build an exhibit around this, and and highlight um, the fact that this is how history of, of the guard is preserved it's um you know you, you'll forget about it if people aren't out there writing articles about it taking photos doing podcasts like this um that history is lost and people like us don't have anything to reference when people <laughs> ask us really strange questions so um no philip was really gracious um about sharing his experiences with us and i kind of went through and picked a, a few photos that i thought had a variety of units uh, so it's not just infantry it's transportation artillery um the mps and uh, just kind of what I thought would impact people um, on a visual scale. And it's black and white, so it has that kind of really cool um, contrast and dynamic. And 
Philip has seen it. He's got he's got his seal of approval, and it, he said it actually really touched him, and he was on the verge of tears. So, um, if it can be that thought provoking for the the person who actually took the pictures, I hope people get a real sense of, you know, there's people on the ground photographing this right there in in the field with these guys and girls um, who serve every day. Mm-hmm. It's a unique time frame too, I think, um, especially historically, because it was it's the late eighties yeah. um, time early frame, 90s. early nineties, which historically for the guard was a peacetime um operation and so we see now like there's a lot of history that's captured here and there because we've been in a wartime posture for the past 20 plus years and then if you go back before that you know you get into like world war ii and those kind of things where the only way to keep track was to write things down and save them and and then there's just this vacuum from the 80s and 90s up until about desert storm and desert shield where there's nothing and philip also collaborated with quite a few people if you'll see the um the yearbook mm-hmm. the there's an 80 I think it came out in 88 um and you'll see it randomly in I mean there's one that sits up in tags green room like I have one highlighted and tabbed but it's like I don't know it's like this big <laughs> and it has photos of every single person in the guard like they he would have traveled to every unit yeah. and taken their photo and like a lot of these photos that he had taken are well I don't know about those ones a that you have on display yeah. specifically but they're in this yearbook and honestly, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have that bridge between like the 1939 to 1945 guard structure to what we know today. Like those, some of those units don't exist anymore, or I can at least track lineage that way. And he did a phenomenal job. Like I can't imagine the volume and the time it would have taken to travel around the state to every unit and do headshots of all these people in, in the yearbook. It's amazing the work that he did. Yes, 39 years in the, in the guard, so... Yeah, he, that's he has insane. a lot of, of stories. Yeah. <laughs> With that, like, when is the event? Um, how can people attend? Stuff like that so that we can push the information out. So hopefully we can get a pretty good amount of people to show up and participate in the event. Yeah, so we're doing a little evening reception on October 12th from 530 to 730. And Philip's going to be there. We're going to kind of recognize his work and also talk about what the Public Affairs Office is doing today, how it's kind of changed from when Philip. Uh, took these photos, um, and we're going to have a little silent auction for the actual prints that are on display. And hopefully some some people come by and be like, oh, yeah, I know that guy, and, oh, I was right there. So we're we're hoping for that kind of um, step back into time with a lot of the people uh, who hopefully will attend. But it'll be at the museum. We'll have little light refreshments. It's dress up fancy you don't but you don't have to and we're just really looking forward to kind of that camaraderie and everyone getting together and seeing what public affairs uh, how important they are to the guard mm-hmm. I'm excited because like you were saying with the yearbook that he created um, maybe having people come to this event and seeing all the equipment that you have displayed that they used like I could not imagine today in this time taking photos with film and processing them in a dark room and like I did it in high school so it's so much fun but like the level of work that we do and how fast pace it is and stuff I couldn't even imagine what it was like back then to have to go through that whole process to be able to get that final end product and like you were saying the photos that are displayed are amazing like I can't wait to hopefully like you said see if people come in that were a part of the photo or know somebody to get more information on them um, just to see the equipment but I'm hoping that it opens the everyone's eyes to like what 
it takes to be in public affairs because so often we get the, well, you just take photos. Like it's not that hard, but there's so much more that goes into it that people don't understand. Um, and seeing somebody's work like that, especially during that time frame, hopefully will shed a little bit more light on like what we do in our section and the things that um, we need to be able to succeed in our job and also to preserve the history of the guard and stuff like that. So I think it's awesome. Like all the, all of the exhibits that you guys have put on down there, like, I mean, you guys have had some elaborate stuff and like, it's, this isn't super big and fancy and elaborate, but like just what's in there is so like, I don't know how to explain it. It's just so cool to see like that time in history. So I'm excited to, I'm, I'm planning to be there and hopefully a bunch of other public affairs people will be there retired or in so that everybody can kind of experience it. But I think it's going to be really great. Are you going to petition to have the Broussard brought back? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. <laughs> I have asked about getting a patch, yeah. but for whatever reason, whoever I talk to is like, no, you're not supposed to, but I'm like other units have, like uh, MP or um, Seaburn. Yeah, Seaburn and stuff like that. So I'm like, why can't we just have a PAO patch? I don't know. Maybe that's something we can look yeah. look Sounds into like down the road. Sounds like thing that I can get you. There you go. There you Boom. Go. <laughs> cool. The Air Force wears theirs whenever they're out shooting, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Air Force is so different, though. Like, it, I feel like they can... They can do whatever, and, like, everyone's like, okay, that's fine. I mean, it makes sense, like, because when you go out, you're easily identified because when I first started and having our big camera bags, anytime I went to an event, I was always mistaken as a medic. Like, oh, are you a medic? I'm, and I'm like, no, I'm public affairs. <laughs> and it's just because we ha carry the big backpacks with the camera gear, so they just assume that you're here as a medic. So I just always thought that was funny. It's not as common now, but when I first started, definitely they would ask, and I'm like, I wish we could wear something so people would know who we are. Um, but Yeah, yeah Philip said that um, during some of the maneuvers – uh, people from you know, the other side, the enemy, mm -hmm. would uh, wear those and cross cross the enemy lines uh, and then yeah. take them off. And he's like, oh, that's kind of cheating, guys. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't understand. I mean, maybe they do. But we're in such an age where it is like instant. Like you guys take the photos, you have to process them, and there is a time frame when it has to get out, mm -hmm. um, whether you're publishing on Divids or social media or that kind of thing. And they're, I mean, Anybody can take a photo now, right? It, not everybody can take a good photo. And so <laughs> the idea that Philip was able to, and photographers in general, it's an art, like to have the eye, to see what he sees, to capture it, and to not know if he got it mm -hmm, uh, is yeah. one of my favorite parts about that because some of them are so cool and you just don't, like he's just, we're just seeing what he was seeing and not, not everybody sees, not everybody sees things the same way, but it's true. Like not everybody's going to see that or know like, okay, this is what I have to do to capture this image of what's happening right now. And, you know, a lot of times in this line of work, we get caught in the, well, what is, uh, what is readiness? When is, leth what is lethality? Like, what can we deploy? What is wartime ready? And not what is a what is a skill that you have to have to be able to do that? And what you guys do is not something necessarily that the army can teach you how to do. They can teach you how to process. They can teach you all of those those things, but you can't teach that eye. And I could take I could look at the same thing that Philip was looking at four hundred times and not catch what he was able to catch. Yeah. And again, to not know what he had until he got back and developed and processed. Um, but to your point, 
hoping that the people come out who are in these photos because yes. that's another thing we run into when we're looking through these old photos um, and capturing metadata and that kind of thing is like we may only have the uniform or a guess of like okay I think that patch was worn by this unit at that time or this is a last name or something like that to to be able to like really nail down where they were and what they were doing and who they are and those kinds of things will help your archive Yes. And will help us when we get those phone calls. Like, hey, do you have a photo of so-and-so? Um, the more information, the better. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There is one, one photo we are trying to identify, and I asked Philip about it. He's like, I don't remember who he is. I'm like, Come on. <laughs> you you know, didn't write all of didn't it down. Write down that, one. that was yeah. only 40 years ago. <laughs> Dig that one out, my guy. Exactly. <laughs> now that we've talked a little bit about the event and everything, you guys have kind of talked about how you collaborate. Um, but Sergeant Church, what do you do on a daily basis? And, like, how did you even become the historian? Like, is that a, a, is that slot in MOS? Is it a guard? I know you're a technician. Like, mm -hmm. Just tell us how it all works <laughs> in a short synopsis. Sure, I can do that. Um, so it, they're currently working to make it its own MOS right now. Um, right now, there are seven states that have, uh, they're called military history detachments. So it would be similar to public affairs, very small units. They have like t a, a, B, and C team, which, you know, can make up of different rank structures and that kind of thing. But they all fall under the 46 series right now, which is the same 46 Sierra. Sierras. Yeah, mm -hmm. so they're all under public affairs. I think the idea being that you should be able to capture photos and interview and that kind of thing. Um, but they are working to create um, their own career progression MOS for historian specific. I went to um, a military history detachment course when I first got hired and it was, you know, what, how to collect and what questions to ask and that kind of thing. Because it is interviewing, but it's a different kind of interviewing. And I have a degree in journalism, so I kind of was able to get the difference. Um, the idea being that when public affairs interviews you, that is something that is for public consumption. And if I were to sit down and interview you, this is not some kind of gotcha game or anything like that. It's in order to learn from what has happened, I need you to give it to us. Like and we say warts and all, like tell us everything bad that happened and everything good that happened because you can't learn unless you know all the things. We will just perpetually make the same mistakes over and over and over, um, even though we still kind of do. Uh, I don't remember what we were talking about the other day. It could have been um, a hurricane mission or something, mm. um, but it's always pay food and lodging like yep. those are the big you know what can you learn and we don't seem to <laughs> which is fine <laughs> uh, some things you just never will uh, so they are there is work being done by the U.S. Army Center of Military History um, to create its own career progression um, on the Army side so you can enlist not as public affairs but as a historian into some of those units because Again, what happens is you get somebody who enlists into a military history detachment and then they get pulled away by public affairs or, mm -hmm. you know, anything like that happens all the time. So there are the reserves have many more um, military history detachments um, assigned to them just by nature of their mission. They are the reserve of the active component, truly. So they can fill in on those deployments um, when a division goes uh, as the history detachment. In fact, I talked to... Um, 
the historian who it's a, an additional duty for him with the 218th right now there um, in Africa. And he's already linked up with the historian for the Horn of Africa who is in the army reserves. And so there's already that collaboration happening and it's just a dream. Like <laughs> so proud. Um, and I was so happy that he reached out to me before they left to kind of talk about what to collect. Cause there really, there is a regulation and there is kind of a how to, um, and I do have some, like, this is the bare minimum, but this is also what you could do. And there's not, it's, it's okay that there isn't a standard because every mission is different and all of those things. But, like, if you could just at least get me this uh, anywhere up to this and also link up with the historian in country or wherever you are, because there will be one, um, then you can collaborate and collect documents. And that way our story is not lost, you know, to the ether um, in that you know, the, if the Horn of Africa, that mission's history is written, it will include us. Uh, it's the same at the National Capital Region. They have a historian uh, who's wonderful, and every couple of years I get a message, hey, how's it going? By the way, you know, the AA, the 263rd, AAMDC, the 2nd of the 263rd, the 678, they're all rotating through that National Capital Region mission. Um, you know, can you get me kind of some structure of what the unit is? And um, this is what I've collected from what they've done in the mission. And so I know, even though I don't have it, that it exists in these places. Like our history is being captured at whatever mission um, is kind of happening. As to what that means for me day to day, great question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you just don't know. And it's different all the time, um, whether it is... Um, just request for information. If it's me just being a liaison to you or to the records warehouse or uh, to, we have the South Carolina Department of Archives and History um, in the Northeast, you know, like shooting people that way. Like, you know, that's something you can research over here. Um, and just long-term projects. I mean, I'm still working on a project of digitizing old public affairs mm -hmm. videos, which we were able to get done um, and kind of working on, again, because we don't have an archive, um, how to save those and how to make them um, public consumption. Like, we want the public to be able to see them and use them in their projects if they want to, to learn about us. So it just, it changes changes every day. Or I'll get calls from the Center of Military History, like, hey, we found this thing on South Carolina. Um, I was researching something else and came across this thing. Can you tell me how it relates or, you know, does lineage perpetuate for some of these units like how how does it all work um and we're in a unique state where we have you know original 13 colonies involved in every every major conflict that this country has faced since before it was a country uh so it's it you get some really unique phone calls um <laughs> and not in a bad way people are curious but it's also i got hired in 2017 um i don't have a history degree I have a journalism degree, um, but kids, if you're going to college, take those liberal arts classes because you just don't know what it's going to lead to. And I really had no idea what I was going to do. And so I was just taking classes to try to figure out what I wanted to do. Uh, and it was a history professor who was like, you need to go into writing. And so that kind of fundamentally changed the course of what I ended up doing. Um, but you just take classes and you never know. And to be a federal employee as a historian, you have to take 18 college credits in history, which I had. Um, and that was just kind of how it all came about. Researchability, like asking the second and third question, not just the first question. Like, okay, if that's the question I'm being asked, I'm going to go a little bit deeper to try to figure out the rest of it. And you never know what you're going to find. Yeah, absolutely. 
And if anybody knows Sergeant Church or sees her, stop because she is a book of knowledge. Like, <laughs> I ask one question, and sometimes she responds, and I'm like, I don't even know half of what you just said, but <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. Like, I, I don't want to get... If I don't know, that's great. I want to know, mm-hmm. and I'll go figure it out, but I don't want to share bad information, right? So uh, you and I were working on a project recently, and I, I, I thought about how I was going to bring this up, like if it was going to come up in the podcast because it's been such a journey mm-hmm. uh, for the past couple of years. Uh, but recently um, the uh, naming commission came out and said that all Confederate uh, anything related to the Confederacy was to be removed, um, fr- whether from streamers. Uh, some s- states are having um, patches redone. We've had bases renamed. I've been working with Fort Jackson on renaming roads at Fort Jackson. Sidebar, Fort Jackson doesn't have a historian. So when it comes to South Carolina, they'll give a call over here and say, hey, can you come over and help with this project? The, the Soldier Support Institute has one, and he's wonderful. Um, and if you ever get a chance to go on his staff ride of Fort Jackson, it's fantastic. Um, but they don't have a historian. And so because we're so tied to Fort Jackson, um, it's, I mean, it's an easy, easy collab. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so recently we were taking photos of the streamers that we were turning in to uh, Human Resources Command to HRC. Uh, those were being turned in. And that could be another podcast if you want to go into all <laughs> the details. Uh, but the long and short of it is uh, an exception to policy where those streamers could be displayed on guidance has been rescinded. And so that meant we had to turn those in as federal property back to HRC. And so to capture that history, we worked with Heather and we worked with the Public Affairs Office and uh, a steamer. <laughs> and we steam, you know, we collected the units were fantastic. Um, they turned in what they had, if they had anything. Um, and we took photos to save in your archive. So that way we could say, these were the streamers we had. This is what we turned in uh, and all of those things. And it's, you just work with everybody. Like it's not, you know, it's not just a one man show. Like you have to collaborate across um, and so that was something we worked on recently. And people are curious, like how many people we had a bunch Oh my of gosh. <laughs> what are you guys I doing? I know. Why are you guys taking photos of those? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I could give a class. I think I could probably post up in here with one guide on and give a class on streamers for a week and people could just pop in and be like, what's that one? Because, mm-hmm. and I've talked about this before, but um, everything has symbolism when it comes to history and heraldry and the Institute of Heraldry who designs these things and works with the Center of Military History and right down to the number of what the numeric designation is for a unit has symbolic meaning and history. Uh, And so it's just education. Like, you know, some people weren't, didn't even know that it was going on or didn't understand why it was happening. And so to be able to sit down and explain it, then that's one more person you have explained it to who can then explain it to somebody else who can that, you know, and that kind of thing and just getting that information out there and not having it be some hidden secret, um, you know, that one day the streamers are gone. (laughs) What happened to them? And that kind of thing. Like, no, there was a reason and this is a reason and it is a valid reason. It's a correction of federal record and we did it and we complied and, and that was that. And that was tags guidance. And he's like, Hey, this is what we got to do. Let's do it. But let's take some photos first. Roger that. We'll do it. So, yeah, I mean, it's it changes every day. You never know what you're going to get yourself into or what Center Military History is going to call and ask for, and I love it. As you can see, she just makes it up as she goes. I do. A thousand percent. All of that. It sounds so made up. 
And that's the thing. I love learning about history, but my brain just cannot retain the information. That's why when I talk to you two and you just like spit stuff off like this and like dates and like here and this unit and that unit, I'm like, how can you remember all this? Like I would have to carry around a big notebook or binder with just everything so that I could reference because I would be that person that would be like, uh, I know, I know what it is, but I don't remember exactly. Let me take a look. But you guys are just like, boom, boom, boom. Like you just know it off the top of your head. Mine, and it's mine's insane. a selective memory. It's real selective. It's it <laughs> it real selective. Yeah. yeah. And I was really paranoid about that at first. I don't know if you were when you started, cause I think there is an element of fake it till you make it yes. uh, mm-hmm. for both of us. Um, but I was so paranoid that I was going to get a date wrong or I was going to get something wrong. I, I did not want to get it wrong. I wanted to share good information with people and I spent a lot of time just really worried that I was going to get it wrong and then you kind of hit a point where you're like hey if you get it wrong you just correct it and it's fine especially for live news newscasts and they're like let me just pop this question out at you for no reason you're like "Uh." that's (laughs) I mean that's why I asked you are you going to ask anything I think we did a live shot before the centennial of world war one over at the museum and I mean it was 4 35 o'clock in the morning like I can get up in the morning. I had already filled the bottom of the Keurig. I forgot to put a cup in that morning. Like I, oh, no. I, I filled the bottom of the Keurig with coffee. And they're asking me like all these questions about units that had deployed in World War One, And I I was like, please don't get this wrong. Please <laughs> yeah. Just get it right. yeah, it's, it's kind of easy to, to, you know, like say the tag sits down for interview. Well, tell me about your deployment, sir. It's really mm-hmm. easy to tell it from your point Personal. of view. But then you're like, so tell me what happened 100 years ago. You're like, okay. Uh, well, remember yeah. this. So, but yeah, just like Megan was saying, you know, it's, it's even with us, it's not, let me look in this one book and okay, if that book says it, then that's, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. No, it, let me find a, d- a couple different resources. And I think both our jobs are a lot of research and just, like you said, trying to get the facts right for the people who are asking. So, with all this amazing information and all the stuff that you guys have to like capture and stuff like that, what's the process look like? Because um, I know a big issue that we came into was when we were creating the 9-11 documentary, the 20th anniversary. And that's when we realized like we had all this information that we knew we had. It just wasn't collectively together and we had to pull from all these different directions we had to sit down and talk with people do interviews pull stuff from them pull old footage and photos and and gather that from people who were a part of these different missions and stuff during that time so like when it comes to like you were saying um deployments and all that and there being historians there how does it work with collectively capturing all of that like do you just have a running word document or do you have like a form that you kind of felt like how does that stuff get captured okay well besides <laughs> up here because eventually you won't be sitting yes, here no I have continuity it's the if I get hit by a bus file um <laughs> if anybody's looking for it on my Mac or on my laptop um so I in an ideal world twice a year we'll collect from the units um and it comes out uh in a in an all hazards, like, hey, this is everything we're going to capture, and this is how you capture um, a defense support to civil authorities mission, this is how you capture a deployment, or this is how you just capture your year. Very similar questions um, just to be answered, and that's kind of a bare minimum. Uh, Every unit, I don't know, does public affairs still do um, unit public affairs representatives, the UPAR system? Um, We're trying to revamp it because for a while we we just didn't have people, but now we've had a lot of people interested mm-hmm. in public affairs, so we're trying to rebuild it. So hopefully that'll help with the historian side of it as well. Yeah, so that's it's an additional duty. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can have a unit historic officer. Um, it's a 
memorandum. I've got it. I can send. I've sent it to some units, and it doesn't have to be an officer. It could be a historically minded anybody. It could be a, um, an E4 who's in college. Really, anybody who's going to take that and um, collect that information. So ideally, I get it every six months. Um, that way, it doesn't it doesn't get lost. Because I mean, twelve. Uh, Twelve months is, is a mm-hmm. long time to try to remember what you did, you know, even just during an AT and with everybody going to so many exercises and whether it's NTC, JRTC, like they're just all over the place. Um, it's a lot to try to capture. So assigning somebody to that, if you are an officer, uh, you can go to, um, uh, I think it's a historic off, uh, unit history something officer course. It's a five x-ray. Uh, it's a course at Fort Leavenworth that you can go to to become um, a uh, like whatever that what's the word I'm looking for <laughs> it's an ASI um, so you can get that and whatever the officer word for additional skill identifier is but you can go and become a historian that way as an additional assignment as well it just it falls in the guard we try to cram so much into drill weekends and into mm-hmm. training sometimes it falls to the full-time staff which isn't fair uh, because they've got enough going on so we've we've come up with some different ideas, whether we report it during um, USR time, which happens quarterly, if we try to collect it every six months, uh, really, I'll take anything whenever I can get it. Um, truly, like, and that was another thing I was really hard charging when I started like, no, I want this every six months so I can collect it. And now, if you find something at the unit, just send it to me. Like, I find stuff all the time. And I just kind of keep keep it in folders um i've moved a lot of it to the to the cloud um <laughs> so that way it will exist off my computer um i share with you hard documents that i find and we decide like is this something we should just scan or if this is a document that we should keep um but yeah it's just it's a process it's not it's never going to be perfect i accepted that a long time ago uh and you just you take what you can get and hope for the best so if units um come across something that they know hasn't been sent to you already or if someone comes in off the street that's like hey I served in this unit however long ago I just found this like in my garage Mm -hmm. but this is from like this time period um would the unit then just uh shoot you an email or give you a phone call and say hey I don't know if this is important but um, this is what we have. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I've had it. The Air Guard did it pretty recently. They were cleaning out their archives and came across a bunch of stuff and just sent it down in boxes. Um, but yeah, if the unit finds anything, happy to get out of the cube and travel too. Love that. Um, <laughs> but again, we'll collaborate. Okay, I'll go through it and see if it's something I can use. And then I'll show it to Heather and see if it's something she can use. And as long as it's ours in, you know, Sorry, there's no expectation of it going back to the unit. Yeah, we can decide what to do with it and scanning and all of those things. I mean, I still have a lot of files I need to scan, um, but, you know, just job security. The pile grows. Even um, uh, programs. I keep programs from all of the events um, that happen because you just don't know. A lot of times when a unit asks me for their history, like you were talking about a running Word document, I do. I have running Word documents on unit histories because – they change all the time or they go on mobilizations or there's a change of command and they want to write a history for the program for that kind of thing. And so I work with units. I'll send it to them every once in a while. Hey, can you add to this for the last year? Um, or they'll ask me for it for their change of command program or something like that. And then they'll add to it, send it back to me. And I just keep this live document. Mm-hmm. Same with, uh, we have a live document going for all the mobilizations since nine 11, which is a beast. Um, and complete oh, yes. and incomplete, mm-hmm. truly incomplete, especially uh, in the last 10 years. It is just hit or miss what I have. Um, 
but yeah, it's just, it, everything has to continue to live. There's, it's never going to end. It's not, you know, it's something that we have to keep working on all the time. Yeah. And that's really important for us too, because a lot of the stuff we have is older, mm-hmm. um, probably like eighties and, and back. So even when we were redoing kind of our little nine 11, we have a piece of the Pentagon and I was like, well, Meg, um, who, who deployed on nine 11 and what was the deployment? And she sent me a wonderful document, like seven pages or something. It was great. So yeah, the fact that she keeps that up and keeps with the units, um, she's really keeping that history going um, because we don't have it. Mm-hmm. No, we were, I think we talked about, like we were the first uh, TSA before there was TSA. Yeah, it was uh, the 118th working airports and that kind of thing. And so we exist in a world where TSA just exists, right? Mm-hmm. You yeah. just, you go through security when you go to an airport. And we learned during the documentary no, it was, I mean, the 118th was at Fort Jackson. There never used to be a gate at Fort Jackson. It rolled on and whatever. Yeah, there wasn't a gate here or at McCready, right? No. Yeah. No, you just on and off, and that was the 118th. And then I'm pretty sure it was the MPs who were mm-hmm. at the airport, uh, mm-hmm. and they took on that airport mission before TSA even existed. And so those truly are the first, if you want to call them deployments, they were put on orders to do that mission for an indefinite amount of time. Is, um, is that why that armory is right across the street from the airport? From the airport? I don't know how long that air, that armory has been there. I'd have to look. I don't think it was part of that um, works progress armory. It was it's probably just a, like yeah, a coincidence that yeah, it, just it just happened to be out. there. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. I guess they could have moved a different unit out of it and moved that because that happens a yeah. lot. Moved yeah. the MPs over there. Um, so, yeah, it just it's it goes back and forth all the time trying to figure that stuff out. Yeah. So what you're saying is brochures from ceremonies are more important than people think they are. And that if people have information um, to reach out to us, to you guys, whoever, because it is very important, not only for us to capture what the guard is currently doing, but what we've had, we have accomplished and what we have been a part of and stuff like that. Um, Because like you were saying with the nine 11 stuff, um, I mean, we were able to put together a really good documentary, but we were, like, pulling, trying to, like, get as much information as we could. And like you said, I'm sure there's tons more that we don't even know about. So if anybody's listening or watching and you are a part of any of that, whether we have it or not, just reach out because, I mean, we might learn something new that we didn't know or maybe you guys have something um, that we could display in the museum um, or just anything, really, like, it's it's so important for us to have those historical pieces um they're not just trash like you were saying when we were going through the exhibit and you were kind of showing us um that they were going to throw a lot of that stuff out and philip kept it and i'm like thank god because you wouldn't you would never see this stuff ever again like you probably can't even find this stuff anywhere else unless maybe other museums have stuff similar but like to physically have the equipment that they were using is insane. Mm-hmm. Like, so when people are getting, like, their stuff from supply and all this gear and stuff, and they're like, oh, I don't have to have all this, and then all they want to do is just, well, why can't we just chuck this or get rid of that? Or, like, in some sense, down the road, like, there might be some kind of significance to it. Yeah, you talk about random phone calls. So another project we're working on, uh, they're developing at Joint Base Henderson Hall, a National Guard Heritage Room. Uh, up there and so they've reached out to all 54 for an artifact uh, because they would like representation from each state and territory and so we're working on choosing an artifact right now that will fit kind of the scheme but then we got an email that said uh, does anybody have a Humvee door (laughs) 
I, I do. I mean, yeah. Uh, I can't even remember what did she want it for. I don't think I saw this email. Oh. I'm hearing this for the very first time, oh. and this is, this is great. Uh, yeah, she wanted a Humvee door. They wanted there was something they wanted to display using a Humvee door. I can't remember exactly what it was. So the flag was too big, but a Humvee door is just yes. right. Yes. Um, <laughs> thanks. Yep, the flag was too big. So yeah, we were looking through artifacts to send up, and one. Um, that Heather had chose, which was fantastic, uh, was a flag from, um, it was the artillery. Is it 151? 151 artillery, a unit that doesn't exist anymore, had a flag they had made for Hurricane Hugo. It said Hugo uh, 89 on it. And it, it looked had, like a very like airbrushed 89s t-shirt. It was great. It was fantastic. <laughs> um, it's big. Yeah. Somebody would have had to frame it and, you know, quickly they started running out of space up there, which is fine because I think we'll use it down here. Um, Yeah, it'll be it'll be super. So even that is just we want to make sure we're represented um, anywhere we can be. And so it's always I don't have any artifacts like you don't want the boxes of files that I have, but we can reach out to them and say, hey, what do you got that you could part with that, you know, tells the story of. What are it, 350 some? Yeah, just year. one object yeah, just that does one that, that's fine. that nails it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. But it has to be like a certain size too, so like right. good luck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she did, we got that email yesterday. Can you guess in something smaller? Hmm. Which is fine. It's great. You know, yeah. We may end up doing photos. And again, if oh, we yeah. didn't have the photos, right. it's not something that we would even be able to support. Um, also, sidebar, they're asking for artwork. Um they would like someone to from all 54 to design artwork for a 24 inch by 24 inch ceiling tile. Oh, nice! So if we have any artists out there, um, feel free to reach out. I think it went out in supplemental guidance as a as an all call. Um, if you have any art or you would like to design anything that represents South Carolina or the South Carolina National Guard to go in the Heritage Room, that's also something that they're looking for now too. And I would love it. Um, you know, for Tag to, if he's up there one of these days, to be like, there it is. Like, that's us. Hmm. So, like, just creating the design and then them putting it on it, or? That's how I understood the okay. email to read. And it, it's definitely coming to us fragmented, which happens with um, planning and ideas and, and especially this kind of design thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can keep you posted if you have any ideas and want to reach out. Um, we'll link you up with the folks up at the U.S. Army Center of Military History and kind of get that going because we want to be represented um, and out there for everybody to see. For sure. Yeah. Now, I know we've been talking a lot about the Army side, but do you guys work closely with the Air Guard or, like, do you guys have a lot of information as far as their history? Yes. Uh, A lot (laughs) of our volunteers that that really built the museum were Air Guard members, so we have a lot of photos, a lot of programs and stuff that people would have thrown out, but these these guys – the Air Guard's Mac- so good. McIntyre, that that is a bond. Um, they they really truly want to save their history, especially the old guard, um, the guys that retired. They they're very proud of their service. So um, we have a lot of programs and uh, newsletters and photos. Um, not so much of the new stuff. Again, like that's that's kind of where I lean on Megan is for any kind of unit is the new stuff is what we don't really have. Um, but, yes, the Air Guard is, is a big chunk of, of our museum history and collection. They're so good at collection. Uh, they're they're great at it. And I don't know. I think they link it into their public affairs office. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also, you know, we talk a lot about Army. But I think we talk a lot about Army because we're not that good at it. Like, we're <laughs> not as good as keeping everything as yeah. the Air Guard is or the Air Force is in general. And and that group has been at McIntyre, what was Congaree, mm-hmm. since the Air Force started. Yep. So, 
that has existed since 40s. Yeah, even before like the end of World War II. Um, they had the first aircrafts out there before there was even an Air Force. It was the Army Air Corps. And so for that to still be in the same location, it may be different squadrons and different units and that kind of thing, um, but to be in the same spot since the Air Force started is, yeah. I, it, it lends itself to having um, having a collection that gets maintained over time and isn't lost when a unit moves from armory to armory or, you know, a place gets bulldozed yeah. or anything like that. Like, they have been in the same spot for that long. That's a good point. 75 years? Yeah. They just yep. had their yeah, 75. Cool little patch to go yeah. on. Yeah. fox. Let's go. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't have to put in my job as much focus on the air guard because they're so good at it. Um, and anything they don't want to maintain out there, they give to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we just keep it in the collection and even the department of archives will tell you, um, they have a ton of history on the air guard, but they do not have a lot. The last, the last I talked to them, they hadn't had anything from the army guard since the end of world war two. Oh, wow. So it just happens. Hmm. And we're not hoarders of information. I don't want people to think that either. Like we want to share. Yes. We don't want to just keep it to ourselves. Yeah. No. That's too, that's too much rattling around up there. (laughs) 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 all right well i mean we've definitely talked a lot today is there anything else that maybe we didn't discuss or any other information that you would like to put out to the listeners nothing we do have oral history project so if anyone is is interested it doesn't matter if you you know you don't have to be retired you're still service and that's still your history so um, any time time we can get someone on uh, on tape telling about their their history and their experiences um, not only helps the museum but also helps you know, the command historian as well, just to get that on, on tape. Cause that's something that you don't, you're not writing it down. It's not a record. So it, the, the story can be a lot more complex. It's not just names and numbers and dates. It's, it's an actual human experience. So that's always important to, to keep up as well. I think that's something we both enjoy. And I think I enjoy it as an NCO as well. Um, a lot of the historians in the other states are officers. Um, and if you send something to CMH, you know, the histories are written by GS 15s, right? Like Dr. So-and-so is writing the history. Um, but at this level and at the unit level, I love the individual histories and individual experiences. I think one of our favorite ones, and I think I talked about this on the last podcast, is the journal we have from one of the oh, 118th, yes. or no, 117th guys um, in World War One that you guys have over there. Yeah, one seventeenth. We, we have a 118th as well from World War Two. so. Yeah, the, the journals that they have are so good. And it can be just as mundane as like, I got a shower today or I <laughs> ate something today. But there's one in the 117th where he got leave to go mm. to Paris and he runs into the 118th. Oh, and wow. just like he writes about how happy he was to see somebody else from South Carolina. And that's, it's those kind of things that I think bridge like the macro, like overall big histories that are written. But on our level, we want to know those kinds of stories. We really um, both like that. So if it's the oral history project, if it's an artifact, you know, if, I'm, you know, if somebody passes away and you find something and you want to share it with us, bring it over um, and we'll take a look at it. And if it's not something we can keep, or she can keep, then we have resources all throughout the state and town and that kind of thing to make sure those things are captured. Yeah, we definitely like supporting community museums too, because sometimes something we can't put on display, maybe, you know, uh, someone who's from Newberry, they would want to actually display it in in a museum in Newberry. So Mm -hmm. it gets a little more um, highlight and showcase if if we can't display it. Yeah, we can tell the story. The guard exists outside of Columbia. Yeah. (laughs) 
So we want. It's hard to, to believe. Hard, hard to believe <laughs> things happen outside of the tag complex. Uh, but wow, do they? Um, <laughs> the whole big world. Out there. Yeah. So anything, we're 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 easy people to talk to. Give us a call. Shoot us an email. My information's out online. Um, yeah, we'll put y'all's information in the show notes. So if anyone who's mm-hmm. listening or watching, definitely check that out. Um, get in contact with Sergeant First Class Church, female type. <laughs> yeah, the Megan kind. The Megan type. And um, Heather over at the museum. So, yeah. Yeah, just thank you guys for, yeah, for chatting for with us. us. This is getting us out of the office and letting people know we exist. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> we'll do this more often. Yes. Yeah. yeah, especially like when stuff comes up or if there's like a holiday or anniversary or something that's very significant. It would be awesome to just sit and talk about it because, I mean, who who wouldn't want to know? Like, especially when, when we're having those celebrations at the armories or we're creating these videos or graphics to put out there. Like, it's nice to learn that okay it's not just the 75th anniversary like what does this even entail Mm -hmm. like that kind of thing so I think that would be a connection to your unit too Mm -hmm. if you understand kind of where they came from and some of them are fairly new and won't have a long history but you can understand even your battalion or your brigade kind of where because the history of guard units is tied to people it's not tied to the flag it's not tied to the location it is tied to where those people kind of move to and from um it really gives that special connection and gives purpose and pride to the unit that you're in um, and the organization just in general. Well said. Thank you. Awesome. I think that's a great, a great ending note. Super. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you all so much for stopping in. Hopefully we'll have you guys back soon. Like we were saying, I'll have all their information down in the show notes. Um, Make sure you come out October 12th to the museum for this awesome event with um, the new exhibit that they're displaying. Um, And if you guys have any information or artifacts or questions just reach out yeah all right well if you guys like this video make sure you get a big thumbs up if you haven't subscribed to our channel make sure you hit the subscribe button and we will catch you guys in the next episode